Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie Franciulli for Wahoo's 24-7, and it's a good Monday morning because we are talking about a Virginia football win. The Cavaliers beat Old Dominion 16-14. to not without some late game dramatics, but at the end of the day, they beat the Monarchs and are now 2-1 and one before they hit the road this week to face Syracuse for their first ACC contest. So if I could sum up this game in one sentence, it would be Virginia amassed 513 total yards of offense, scored 16 points one touchdown. That pretty much sums up the game. When you hear that, you know already that Virginia left plenty on the field, plenty of opportunities, and plenty of points. So let's just talk an overview of some of the big keys when you talk about what we saw in this win. I think when you look at the overall picture, you see a team that has improved. Not just on defense. That's something that we've talked after game one, after game two, and now after game three. We have seen this defense improve week in and week out. But when you look at the offense, you also see some improvement. I know we're going to focus on a few of the things that we didn't like in that game. Uh, We're going to talk about the penalties. There were some penalties that negated some big offensive drive, some big offensive big plays. Um, you had the John Paul Flores personal foul. They got to put him back 15 yards. You had a Grant Mish penalty. You had a Derek Devine penalty. There was a lot of opportunities squandered by UVA getting penalties. I think at the end, and let me just bring out the stats here. If you're on YouTube, you get to see the stats. Again, the stats also available on Wahoo's 24-7. So Virginia had eight penalties for 80 yards. Not great. Not great at all. But that's not that's not all. The offense also had some issues. Again, it seems like Brennan Armstrong and some of his wide receivers aren't on the same page. In the opening drive, um, and we're going to talk about the play calling a little bit later, but in the opening drive, there was two instances where I thought the wide receivers were running were running the wrong route. Um, there was a, there was one particular play that two wide receivers collided, Keaton Thompson and Dontavian Wicks. So there's still some element of uh, communication or timing issues that is occurring 
with the wide receivers between Brennan and his receiver. So that is something that we still noticed in this game. There was also drop passes. There was a few times where like Dontavian Wicks of last year would have got that. And I know it's this is a new year and you don't want to keep comparing to last year, but there are some balls out there that you think that Wicks, that's a Wicks catchable ball. Um, even those 50-50 balls that you would say could have gone either way. For Wicks, those aren't 50-50 balls. If we saw last year, he's had some amazing catches. And in the beginning of the game, UVA was trying to get him going because at the end of the day, you still want to build confidence in him. And he did have some drops. So drops is still an issues um, with the receivers. Um, and then, like I mentioned, wrong routes. Obviously, they had three turnovers, three fumbles on the day, two of them inside the 10-yard line. You're right there, ready to punch it in for a score, and you turn over the ball. That's minimum. That's six points. It could have been 14. So this game, although it's 16-14, it could have been worse rather early. So, again, points left on the field. The other thing was substitution issues or players not paying attention to the game. Tony Elliott mentioned that there was one time where they had to find Mike Hollins for his special teams assignment. And then, obviously, we remember when Brennan Farrell missed his field goal. But what happened before, actually, is what I want to talk about, is when there was a substitution issue where Michael Diada was not where he needed to be. So Tony Elliott essentially had to ice his own kicker and call a timeout. So that ruins the kicker's timing. So at the end, he missed this field goal. So some a lot of few things, a lot of things to clean up still. But again, you're cleaning up with the win and in a game where you did see some progress. The big thing for me is I saw a team that was willing to fight against Illinois. You didn't see that fight, even though like if you look at it against Illinois, mathematically they were still in the game quite late in the game, but they weren't in the game because of their attitude and because of their fight. It seemed like they didn't have that fight. We saw that fight against ODU. And sometimes that mental aspect is the biggest thing in a game because that's what we saw last year with Brendan Armstrong in the offense. We thought that if they had the ball, they would have the opportunity to win. We saw that against Louisville. We saw that against Miami. We always thought that if Brendan had a chance to lead the team to a win, there would always be time on the clock for that. Against ODU, we saw that, obviously, with that last drive. So I think in that respect, that was a good thing for this offense. It was a good chance for this offense collectively to gain some confidence, to get some momentum into the season, momentum that felt like so close in so many instances against ODU, and then it would have been halted by either a penalty or a drop pass, or a turnover, or it was just felt like you you would get on this, guess train, and it would be like going and going and going, and then it just stopped. So this could be a big thing for UVA, especially when you have that ACC contest coming up. So let's take a look at some of the stats. Um, we'll start off with the offense, because that's obviously – the biggest talking point that most people were concerned with going into this game and obviously going into um, this season, there's a lot of question marks and that's still a big question mark going forward. Brendan Armstrong finished the day throwing 20 of 37, 284 yards, 
Um, no touchdowns, which it's quite remarkable. He has not scored a touchdown since that Richmond game, um, which is a remarkable stat when you think of it. The only touchdown against ODU was that Mike Holland's rush where Brennan Armstrong and Jonathan Leach kind of pushed Holland's over um, over the line for that touchdown. So, so that is a, certainly a stat um, for Brennan not having a touchdown in two games. So that, those are Brennan, and I think he had an overall better day. Uh, obviously, there were still a few things when you look at it where you might want to take a pass or two back. But honestly, I think he was a more accurate of a passer this time, and his decision-making wasn't as glaring as against Illinois. You saw him get a little bit more confidence back. You saw him wing it and freelance more, which I think helped him getting a little bit of that confidence. We saw the Brennan of last year a little bit where he was, uh, had a little bit more moxie. He was a little more confident going outside the pocket. He like there was one particular play in the second half where he rolled to his left and threw to Grant Mish when he didn't have any wide receivers open. So he ad libbed that that play. You know there was some confidence when he, they did the option when instead of pitching it to Mike Collins, he saw the hole and he went for it and uh, he was able to get the first down. So there were some good sparks from Brennan. And honestly, some of the passes that he had were just not either the wide receiver didn't win his one-on-one matchups or they ran the wrong route or they had a drop. So there were some good things from Brennan. It was a, this was a good game for Brennan Armstrong to slowly gain on his confidence. Yes, he turned over the ball twice, and we're going to touch on those in just a bit. But it was an overall better game for him. Um, as far as uh, rushing, um, they were able to pick up 229 yards rushing. 284 yards passing again, trying to get that offense pretty balanced. Um, unlike last week where they were 0 of 15, 1 of 16 because of a defensive holding call. So that's why they got a conversion on third down last week. There were 7 of 16 on third down. Um, so a little bit better on that front on against um, the Monarchs. Uh, obviously, if you look at the leading rusher, you're going to see first year Xavier Brown, and we're going to talk to him about him a little bit more. But man, that He's going to have an exciting career at Virginia. He had uh, 88 yards in the win after nine carries, averaging 9.8 yards. And again, we're going to talk about Xavier a little bit later on the show, but a lot of good things we're seeing from him. So we were able to see a new face in the running game for Virginia. And then uh, as far as um, in the receiving group, it was good to see Dontavian Wicks get a few catches. Um, he had four catches for 85 yards. Um, his completion rate was uh, his reception rate was 29%. So again, he still had a few drops there, but I think the main story when you look at this receiving group is Keaton Thompson. Um, he had a catch percentage of 64%. He had nine catches for 118 yards, averaging 13.1 yards. Obviously everyone remembers that acrobatic crucial circus catch in the third on third down, but he was just so consistent and so reliable. And we knew that going into the season that Keaton would be a key part of this offense. And I guess you, ODU, we saw that. Um, and again, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're just kind of doing the overview of the uh, offensive stats. So those are the key things from the game um, offensively as far as stats. And what I liked about this game is, you know, after last game, yes, they hurt themselves. Yes, there were some questionable things um, with some decisions, but they played better, more confidently at times, especially with that last drive. 
but also I really like a lot of what Coach Des Kitchings did in this game. He got a lot of attention after the Illinois game schematically because the O-line was left a little more vulnerable. I think this time the, the coaches and along with Brendan were able to disguise some of the issues on the O-line. I think there's still some issues. I'm not going to say the O-line is fantastic world beaters just yet. They, you have to look at who they're facing. You can't compare what they face to Illinois and what they face against Old Dominion. Don't get me wrong. That defensive front from ODU did some great things against Virginia, but they also, when you look at their strength and their weakness, they were also coming into this game not great against the run. So that's why we saw a little more success on the ground game for Virginia. But what Coach Kitchings and UVA did was schematically better. They had pitches. They had jet sweeps. They had game plans that helped disguise the O-line issues. Did they still have problems snapping the ball? Yes. Rather, it was Ty Furnish or Justice Johnson under center. They still had issues snapping the ball. Um, There's still some high snaps. They need to get it to his chest level. That is something that needs to be worked on and changed. That is true. But they were able to disguise that O-line deficiency on a lot of ways. They were better on the O-line. There were a lot of notable times when the O-line were, were held their blocks well so that guys were able to get the extra yard or two or Brennan was able to get more time because, well, get more time. And that's and then that's the reason why he was more accurate because he did have more time and the plays were able to actually come about. Um, but also having Keaton Thompson in there and more of that kind of, I, 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 he had more motions. They were using him more in creative ways. And he, it was kind of like a more of a tight end road. They don't have money woods. They don't have that big monster presence, but he was kind of used in that way, which I think was a very, um, smart decision, used him in the jet sweep. And that's, that's, those are ways to help your O-line out. And also what I really liked is it also simplified the offense. If you go back and watch film, they honestly, they ran the few same plays, but they just ran them in different formations. So they would have 11 personnel out, but then they would have one back and one tight end. And then they had 12 personnel and had one back and two tight ends and they ran counters. And it just, Helped the O-line protect Armstrong because they had more bodies out there. Um, They had more guys helping. And I I think that helped this offense get confidence. Again, you're you're looking at the opponent and where they stand as far as your other opponents down the road. How they are, are, are they as competitive as some of the other guys are the talent level. Uh, are we just overthinking this? Are we overanalyzing and saying they're better? No. Yes, you always have to compare talent level. But at the same time, when you're grading out a game like this, you have to look at, are they adapting to their competition? And they are. They Again, when we talked about the predictions for this game, when I wrote about my five predictions for the game, one of the things I said was they're going to, UVA was going to establish a run because ODU allowed big plays on the ground against ECU. That was an obvious area where UVA could exploit, and UVA did. That is what you want. So when you looked at film, you realized, okay, ODU couldn't stop ECU's run, so UVA said that's where we can attack, and that's what they did. But Mike Collins and Xavier Brown were two, uh, two backs that were very successful, and then obviously Brendan Armstrong was also able to use his legs. So they executed 
the game plan well. And honestly, I know some people are going to say, yeah, but they still threw deep when they started the game. I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, when you want an offense to show that aggression, that killer instinct, what a best way to do that than try to go deep route. It's still 0-0. Zero, zero. I'm fine if they did that. Um, and they were trying to get Wicks and Brendan on the same page. So I, I wasn't, I, I was fine with that to start the game with those deep routes because Tony Elliott mentioned this. With this team, he needs to show that aggressiveness. He That is something that he's noticed over the course of the game because he's trying to get these guys in it for four quarters. If you remember last year, I was talking about that too. I was talking about how this team wasn't consistent through four quarters. It seemed like they weren't mentally there the whole time or playing with that same aggression. This is how Tony Elliott and his staff have identified a way to do it. Show they're being aggressive when at the end of the first half, he did something he learned from the first game against Richmond. He was calling timeouts because he wanted his team to get the ball back so that he can score because they knew ODU was going to get the ball back in the second half. He also said to his players, if we win the toss, I am going to ask for the ball first because I want to show ODU and I want to show you guys that we're going to be aggressive. So again, I didn't mind that so much. I mind that when you have a defensive line like Illinois that it was giving you no time to throw the ball and not adjusting. That's when I have a problem. I do not have a problem against ODU. So um, again, I, I like the play calling a lot more in this game. Were there some question marks? Wasn't too fan, too big of a fan when Cody Brown came in. I, I'm really, as you've been hearing on the podcast, if you've been reading what I wrote, I'm interested to see Cody Brown. Um, I think he was a great pickup from University of Miami. He transferred in um, just before the season, this offseason. I think he's going to be a great back. But when you looked at how the game is, and this is my worry about when you do running backs by committee, because I've seen this before, is that sometimes you don't go with the hot hands. You you might end that momentum. And I, I saw that a few times um, with other teams that try to use that. Xavier Brown was your hot hand at that moment. And you, you bring in Cody Brown and the timing was off and the plays were slow to develop. Well, Xavier Brown was the guy. Even Mike Hollins, I know, I know he had, this was, Cody Brown came in um, in the second half and obviously Mike Hollins had his fumble earlier and he had a special teams mishap. So I, I get why UVA possibly didn't want to use him more because of saying like, hey, you know, we're going to have you step back here because of this, this, and this. But at the same time, you had Xavier Brown who, who was doing a great job. Um, so in, in that case, that was, a, that, that was one thing I'm like, I'm not quite sure um, that I would have done that one. Or sometimes when you had some short yardage situations, I'm like, why would you bring in Paris Jones? Why wouldn't you bring in uh, Xavier Brown, who has shown he's got great instincts, or you bring Mike Collins, who can bulldoze, or just you know m- maybe do a jet sweep to Keaton Thompson because he he's also a guy that can fight every single time and get you the yardage. So there, those little things, yes, I can still I, I can I can still go, yeah, those are some play call, but that's very nitpicky when it comes to uh, play calling. Um, so the fumbles, um, so the first fumble. Um, would be the Mike Collins one in the end zone. Got to hold on to the ball. That's simple as that. Um, the second one was Brennan Armstrong. Uh, I believe that one was just before the end of the half when they got the ball back. That one was in midfield, and that one, that one, I understand the frustration, and that one is where you see where what Tony Elliott is saying. He's saying to Brennan, "Listen, don't be a hero in every play. 
In that situation, he had already got the first down. So instead of trying to get for the extra yardage that I think it was about three or four extra yards, you don't need that. You got the first down, go out of bounds or slide. Those are separate decisions and game management decisions where Brennan still needs to improve. And that's something that Tony Elliott touched on. Sometimes Brennan wants to do too much, or sometimes Brennan is putting too much on himself. He's a competitor. Brennan, Arm- you can say a lot of things about Brennan Armstrong as a quarterback, but as a athlete, He's a competitor. He's one of his harshest critics. You can hear it in the post-game comments. You can hear it when you talk to him before games. Um, he is going to dissect everything that he does. And I think the one thing is he puts sometimes too much on his back. And I think in that point, he just needs to be aware of where he is, where the, where the sticks are, where is the out-of-bounds. If he can get it to the out-of-bounds, no, then slide. I think that is something where I think he's going to get a little bit better. And I think you've seen a little bit of that, but it's not consistent enough. Um, so, yeah, so I think the, so the offensive line, I already touched on, they did a better job keeping Brennan Armstrong safe. Um, obviously, those penalties were not the best. That was, there was two penalties on the O-line, especially where they negated some first down opportunities. Um, I talked about the snaps. So, I'm going to end talking about the offense with one guy. Hold on a second. I'm going to remove the stats just for a second. And I am going to show my man, Xavier Brown. Let's go over here. Let's show this one right here. So if you are on YouTube. And again, I did a closer look, the rewatch with our Wahoo's 24 seven subscribers. And uh, this GIF is also available there. So you get to see this film. Um, It's the long run for Xavier Brown. Brendan Armstrong pitches it to Xavier Brown. And then Xavier finds a hole. He breaks a few tackles, stiff arms a dude, and then tries to kind of stiff arm another guy, um, but then is shoved out of bounds. Um, He is a smart running back. There, we're going to talk about his instincts. We're going to talk about his speed. We're going to just talk about his awareness. But he's also a smart football player. Tony Elliott talked about football intelligence and after the post game, where he needs some of his players to step up, and that's something that he wants to do with his team. What Xavier Brown showed in this game, especially in the fourth quarter, you saw a running back that was smart. He was self aware to know just as before the ODU scoring drive, that you are trying to take time off the clock. And he was running with the ball. And instead of going out of bounds, he noticed where he was situationally on the field and he slid down inside. So the clock kept going. So that was a huge awareness in where he was, what the situation in the game was. And that is from a first year. The other thing that I like about Xavier Brown is obviously we're showing the big run because it's a nice highlight. It's you so you see him stiff arm. But I think one of the best highlights for me when it comes to Xavier Brown is actually his three yard rush, because as a running back, sometimes you're not going to be given anything. When he looked in that, he was he was given nothing. He was there was a chance for him to lose yardage in that play. But what he did was he saw something and then he made a quick decision. Great instincts. And this, with the space that he had, he made several cutbacks. He worked in such a tight space, and he still managed to get three yards. Three good 
yards. He moved the ball. He didn't have a turnover. He didn't lose yardage. So I think that particular play shows how much he's going to develop and how big he's going to be on this defense uh, eventually. So, all right. So we kind of broke down offensively overview. I like what I saw. Some improvements there. I'm not going to hail this as world beaters or the offense is back because, again, I'm looking at what the opponent is. I'm curious to see how they do against an AC opponent this week. But there were some sparks some flashes. That was good. Again, you're hoping that that last drive on that in that second half where they were able to secure a win is going to help this team move forward. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, I'm going to drink some water. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the defense. So stick around. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome back to the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Frenchley for Wahoo's 24-7, and we're recapping Virginia's win over ODU 16-14. And we talked about the offense, so we're going to move over and we're going to talk about the defense. The defense has been improving steadily week by week. And, you know, we've talked about how the secondary has improved. And, you know, in a game against ODU, we didn't have the full secondary. Antonio Clary, who uh, had a stinger against Illinois. Um, he's been dealing with a shoulder issue that we've, we've known about since fall camp. Um so he wasn't available in the game. So we saw Cohen King come on. So this was his first opportunity to get some playing time. And although in the first, I think the first drive, you, you saw a few chunks of big yardage by ODU. That was kind of expected because if you watch back film in the first two games, you saw how much Antonio Clary and the secondary really helps stop the run as well. And the communication between the safety and the linebacker is crucial. And that communication wasn't quite there yet in that first drive. They, they were still adjusting to Cohen King being there because again, Darius Bratton is not fully healthy. We saw him towards the end of the game. Come on. So they were adjusting with that communication and seeing the field and that communication wasn't quite as crisp as it was the other games, which is why you saw some more of those big chunks of yards that ODU had, but at the end of the day, ODU only rushed for 89 yards. So they were able to adjust to that. 
Um, so ODU managed 324 yards of total offense in the game. Um, they only scored 14 points from them, 235 yards passing. Uh, they were 4-15 to 15 on third down. So it was, a, it was a good day defensively for Virginia. Um, they had 11 possessions and they scored and they scored twice. That, that's, that's good. So defensively, this defense continues to improve. Um, you know, Allie Jennings, who is going to this game, was the country's top receiver in yards, managed less than 100 yards receiving. He had 97 yards, one touchdown on seven catches. Um, he was targeted 10 times. And Zach Kuntz, a six-footed tight end, that was a, mat- that was a mismatch for Virginia in several ways. But he only managed 83 yards on six catches on 10 targets as well. He had one touchdown um, also. So they did well against the two biggest playmakers. Yes, everyone's going to see that poor Josh Ahern's mismatch uh, against Kuntz. Um, and Coach Rudd actually admitted after the game and said, it's probably not the best decision I've done. Um, but kudos to Jalen Baker. Um, he had a good one-on-one against Coons on one. So uh, kudos to Jalen Baker when he came in. He had a good good win there. Um, let me bring up the stats again if you're on YouTube. So the defense again, they did they did well against some of the biggest weapons against ODU. Um let's look at some of the defensive stats before I dive in on the last drive because that's what people are focusing on a lot of times is because they remember the last drive and how ODU was able to march down the field when it comes to the defense. And it's a sh- it's a shame because when you look at the defensive stats, um, other defensive stats and how they the pass rush was great. Again, in our prediction story, we said they were able to get the pass rush because I thought the matchup against the O line um, against ODU was was there for the taking because they allowed um, so many sacks prior to this game. So looking into the stats, you see that Langston Long again had a very good game. That's the second game in a row that you can see. Lex Long had a very good game. Uh, He led the team with nine tackles. Anthony Johnson had eight. Nick Jackson had eight. Lex also had um, one tackle for a loss and two pass breakups. Anthony Johnson had one. Nick Jackson had two. So again, uh, they had some, um, they had a a good consistent game. Um, Jonas Sanker, there was one key stop that I remember um, where he came off the edge. And uh, he was able to, uh, I believe it was in the second quarter where he was able to stop um, a big, I think it was fourth down, big fourth down conversion. So again, Jonas Anker again had a, a had a very good day. Um, and then we had uh, Chico Bennett and Cam Butler, both of them registering a sack. And I believe Jameer Carter also had a sack. Cam Butler. Chico Bennett and Aaron Famui. It was Aaron Famui with the sack too. So they were able to get some pressure in there and then they were they were pretty good, pretty consistent. So I don't have anything bad to say. They 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 won the matchups. They won their one-on-ones and was able to get to the quarterback. And they were able to keep ODU for less than 100 yards rushing. So the defense did well, especially up front. Now, the one thing that I wanted to touch on before we dive into that last drive a little more deeply is Deshaun Perry. You've heard me talk about Deshaun Perry, especially where I thought that they were using Deshaun Perry in the wrong position last year. So 
he was more off the edge and he was able to amass four tackles, two for a loss, one for a loss and two solo. He had a really good game when he came on. Um, when he was called into this in the second quarter, he was able to really show that he had the nose for the ball. And I think I'm going to just show one particular play. So let me remove this here and show one play where he had on Watson. So let me, um, here we go, share. So again, if you're on YouTube, um, I'm sharing one particular play by Deshaun Perry. Uh, again, if you're a Wahoo's 24-7 subscriber, this is also available on my Closer Look uh, game recap. So if you're seeing this play play out right here, you're seeing that Deshaun Perry in his role, he kind of stays close to the line of scrimmage rather than backing out. So what that allows is that he saw that the QB didn't keep the ball. So and that the running back did. So he was able to come in and prevent Watson from cutting back. If he cut back, he could have gotten a lot more chunks of yards in that situation. But what having Deshaun Perry there also helps is that because he was down there in line of scrimmage, that allows a guy like Nick Jackson to be there and fill the gap. So even if, let's say, Deshaun Perry didn't get the tackle or didn't get enough on the running back, you would have Nick Jackson already there sealing the gap. So you wouldn't have this large seam for the running back to get through. So that was, he played very well. Um, I would expect him to uh, come on a little bit more. I'm actually really happy to see um, that, not just because he's a South Florida native like me, um, and the Gall Gulliver Prep alumni, but I, I really, really liked seeing Deshaun Perry out there. He deserves uh, um, his moment, and he, he did really good. So um, I think one of the things in this game is that we saw a couple of flashes from new faces. You saw Xavier Brown on offense. You saw Deshaun Perry on defense, but you also saw like Ethan Davies on, on punt return when neither Billy Camp, who was ill, and Antonio Clary, his backup, wasn't able to go. So you're asking Ethan Davis to go in and he was consistent. He did a good job and he was fielding punts. And by the end, he was more confident and he actually fielded one. So that was good to see. And that's another option for Virginia moving forward. So let's go through that last drive. So I think one of the first things you have to touch on is that fourth down when there was fourth and eight and the quarterback obviously found Kuntz, the six foot eight tight end. When you look in this drive, you're just going to have to put your hands up and say, oh, do you did a good job? Not only in execution, but the play calling was good. Um, not only did they manage to allow his their quarterback to get more time throwing the ball, because if you look at how they set up, you know how before I was talking about how Virginia would have two tight ends or have Keaton Thompson up there in a way to help the O-line and give Brendan Armstrong more time? That's what ODU was doing. And they also said, you know what? We're going to have you, Wolf, Jennings, Kuntz, we're going to have you guys make plays. So we're going to allow you to beat your one-on-one -on -one matchups, which they did. But also what their coach did, which was very smart, and I hope Virginia uses this too, was that on one, one or two plays, you saw that Koontz and Jennings were on the same side. So you're telling UVA's defense, you've got to cover both. And they did a good job of that. It's having your two best play, playmakers like that. Again, honestly, that, that last drive, you, you just got to hats off to ODU. Sometimes it's not about broken coverage or a missed tackle. Sometimes it's just the other team making plays, and ODU was making plays. Finally, um, you know, Anthony Johnson's 
pass interference call. That was something that it was, I think, fourth and 18. And ODU um, was in a last-ditch effort to score. Wolf threw a long ball. Anthony Jan Johnson grabbed Jennings and it was called for PI. Honestly, I don't have a problem with it. Yes, P Anthony Johnson is going to be frustrated at it. But that was a smart football move because if he didn't hit Jennings, um, if he didn't hold on to Jennings, Jennings would have caught that ball and gone for a touchdown. So at the end of the day, he gave his defense another chance to stop ODU. They didn't. But again, that was uh, that was the right call. You can't knock AJ for that. I think I think when you look back on tape, and he when he looks back on tape, yes, he's a perfectionist. He's a good football player. He's a competitor. He will not like that. But at the end of the day, it was either a PI call or a touchdown, because that's what it looked like. If he didn't hold on to Jennings, Jennings was going to score. So overall, I think the defense did a good job. Um, I'm curious to see how they handle Syracuse. And again, we're doing the game preview um, a little earlier this week on Wednesday, along with our takeaways from Tony Elliott's press conference. So I'm curious to see that matchup, the defense against Syracuse. Um, obviously, there's more reasons why we're curious on that side of the ball. So that's going to be a fun matchup. So again, we broke down everything from the offense to defense. Uh, we touched a little bit on special teams with some miscues. Obviously, Demick Sterling's kickoff return. He went for it, and it was really helped UVA. And honestly, Tony Elliott joked was like, with time coming off the clock, maybe he wouldn't want to do it. But he knew from the, um, Starling's um, body language that he was going to do it, that he was going to come out and um, try for a big uh, return. So, again, I think this was a game, good game for Virginia overall. They left a lot of points. They still hurt themselves. And those are things that are fixable. And I'm curious to see how this translates to better competition. Again, like I said in the beginning of the show, there's a lot of good things. And, but I do not want to say everything is fixed. Everything is glorious. This is going to be, they're going to win all the rest of the games or most of the games. And they're going to fight for the AC Coastal. That's not realistic. We show steady improvement. Now I want to see how this offense handles itself in a game where they have to make in-game adjustments. I want to see how they handle it when their first plan wasn't working. I want to see them against better competition and how they match up, especially on the defensive front. I want to see this O-line get tested before you make any big glaring assumption. But the good thing is they improved on offense. I think they got a little bit more confidence back from that last drive. And you're hoping that that's how they can build with, they can build from that moving forward. So Again, thank you so much for joining us this Monday, and we'll be back here on Wednesday, like I just mentioned. We're combining two episodes in one since the game for Syracuse is on Friday night, and I will be traveling to Syracuse. So if you want to have coverage from Syracuse, from Syracuse, and I'll have a lot of post-game coverage and game coverage from there starting on Friday. So, And then I will make sure to also have the game recap here, obviously, on Monday. So if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe to us on anywhere you listen to your podcast. But also, I would really appreciate if you go and review and rate us. It helps us get this show out a little bit more. And we'll be right back here on Wednesday. So hope you guys have a good rest of your Monday.